Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. Create one-on-ones your reps will thank you for, and use Exvoyant to help your sales managers create unique plans for every rep on your team. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen, and remember, don't worry, we've got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Laura Guerra, Senior Director of Sales for Ring DNA. Laura is a sales leader that has led high-growth teams in several industries. Market leaders in global manufacturing, food tech, and now SaaS have all experienced the su- success from Laura's leadership firsthand. It doesn't matter if it's a startup to established market lead, from a startup all the way to established market leaders. Laura has helped salespeople in the company she's worked with take what the market gives and then some. At RingDNA, Laura has helped drive the growth of one of the fastest growing sales engagement platforms in the business. The company has won several awards, including Best Places to Work and Best Privately Owned Companies in America. And and, and much of this is due to the culture that Laura has helped create. Laura always starts with culture. Okay. We've talked about this a little bit on the show. We've never focused on it on the show. That changes today. Today, we're going to dive in and discuss how culture creates a platform for high growth and massive success. Laura, welcome to our show, and thank you so much for joining us. Wow, Rob, that was quite the intro. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Hey, I'm, I'm excited to have you. I, uh, I keep hearing great things about what's happening at Ring DNA. I'm excited to learn a little bit about that. Um, but what I, I'm really excited is your, you have this emphasis and passion and it comes out fast when we talk around the importance of culture. And I, I think today it's, it's a massive thing that sales leaders need to be thinking about. So I can't wait to dive into that, but I want to start with you. Introduce us to Ring DNA and what, what you guys do for your customers. Absolutely. So Ring DNA is a sales engagement platform that's built directly inside of Salesforce to make reps more efficient and effective. So essentially what that means when I say efficient, we've got an intelligent dialer um, as well as email sequencing. Again, all lives natively within Salesforce as well as conversation intelligence, right? Which I know is a huge topic these days. Um, I think the difference between kind of us and and there's a lot of really great companies in this space um, is that, you know, more and more and more today, uh, there's a lot of point solutions, right? And so, you know, my last organization, I had kind of four different platforms I was logging into kind of all developed great reporting and I really wasn't quite sure what any of it was actually telling me um, with all this great raw data. So um, we essentially combine all of that into, um, you know, into Salesforce, which is where the reps are, are living. Love it. Yeah. My, my company is uh, one that's native in, in Salesforce as well. So I understand why that's so important. That, that's not like a small deal. That's a really big deal. It is. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for that intro. And, 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 uh, and I do keep hearing about you guys with the customers we serve. So congrats on the success you guys are having. Um, let's get to you though. I, I, I always love it. I get great sales leaders from around the world on this show every week. Um, I swear the show just keeps getting better meeting people like you. I still haven't found the person that said, when I grow up, I want to be in sales. 
And uh, so tell us your story. You know, how, how did you end up in sales and, and ultimately how did that get you to where you are at Ring DNA? So Rob, I have news for you. I am that person. Nice. We met that person. You are my new best friend, Laura. Yes. yes. <laughs> so um, definitely one of those rare individuals where, um, you know, my, when I was growing up, my mom was in sales and, you know, she told me, you know, Laura, if, if you can be successful in this career, um, you can have a breadth of opportunities, whether you want to be an individual contributor, whether you want to get into leadership, um, everything that you do in life is related to sales. So, um, you know, it's, it's really important that you get into this field. So, um, you know, I think it all started um, when I was like, you know, a young kid selling Girl Scout cookies. I, yep. I sold, you know, when I was 16, I sold clothes on a commission only job. Um, every, nice. every role I've had has been, has been sales, but I think where, um, my, my first major role in sales was, um, I worked for a global manufacturing, um, and ergonomics organization. So we sold ergonomics equipment and consulting, um, to global organizations. And, um, that was, um, a full cycle sales role. It was a field sales role, um, really awesome company. And we had a, a couple hundred sales folks there and, you know, I think this was really where I first learned the importance of culture. Um, I was within the top 5% of salespeople globally at the age of 24. Um, wow. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. So I experienced a lot of success at a young age. It was really kind of high, high pressure, high stress, um, got into sales leadership and, um, you know, as an individual contributor, you're kind of hidden from and filtered from a lot of the kind of corporate shenanigans going on. Yes. Um, and <laughs> when I got into leadership, um, uh, while, while it's, it was an amazing company with, with um, a lot of fantastic mentors and leaders, um, you know, we know it just takes a couple of bad apples um, uh, to really ruin and create a toxic culture. And so, unfortunately, there were some things going on at the time that I just wasn't like morally aligned with, I wasn't okay with. Um, and it was really unfortunate because I had so many great people surrounded, uh, that surrounded me, loved my team. Um, I loved what we were doing in the space. Um, and unfortunately I just, uh, I made the move to, uh, to leave and I was in uh, the Bay area at the time. Okay. So I was like, you know, I want to, I want to get into this, this SaaS business. I want to, I want to work at a startup. Um, so, uh, I, I joined another organization, uh, will, which was a platform for mindfulness, uh, emotional intelligence and mindfulness training. And cool. so that's really where I, I think the combination of my experience, um, experiencing kind of a, a negative culture to literally working for a company where what we were doing was going into global companies and talking to HR groups about, you know, how can we create better cultures and better leadership through mindfulness training and through EQ, right? So, you know, we had, um, sleep experts, we had mindfulness experts, we had doctors from Stanford. So I was constantly just reading and learning about this stuff and just totally soaking it in. Yep. Um, and going into different companies and learning about, you know, why millennials are the most stressed out generation, why millennials have, you know, higher mental health issues than any other generation and the impact that this can have on, on people and then on ultimately on performance. So um, so this is really where I became obsessed with the topic and really passionate about it. Um, and just ever since then, it's just become who I am, um, as a leader, it's just fundamentally what I believe, um, uh, and, and got to speak to a number of organizations, small and large in, in all industries, 
Um, but there's one thing that that rings true, which is that um, you know culture drives drives people, drives the organization. So um, yeah, so so then I you know I I uh, led went to a Duff, uh, Eat Club, which is a food tech organization, um, built out the Los Angeles market there, and then um, I joined the uh, the Revenue Collective which is an advocacy yeah. um, and leadership group for uh, sales leaders at high growth companies. We're um, big fans of Revenue Collective here. I, I love Sam Jacobs and the whole thing that's happened there. And you're a chapter president, right? I am. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I, I started the LA chapter. Um, and so it's an amazing organization. That's ultimately where I actually met my boss, Cameron, our chief sales officer. Um, and um, ultimately decided to join Ring DNA. So. Love your story. Okay, so this sets the stage. It's very clear why why you're so passionate about culture. And, and, and it's cool to meet you because I've had a lot of experts on, you know, like I have had an EQ expert on here. We've had empathy experts on here and people that are awesome at it. And these have been really, really good conversations. And, and almost every great sales leader that I talk to, and I've talked to hundreds of them now, they, they talk about the importance of culture. Another mm -hmm. great sales leader in LA where you live with, with uh, is a good friend of mine, Kevin Dorsey. I don't know if you know KD or not, but. Um, yeah, fun fact, he lives in my building. So. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So Give my man a shout. Tell him you're on I my will. show. And, um, <laughs> he, he said on this show, he said, I would rather have average reps in a great culture than uh, great reps in a shitty culture every single time. And, um, and so, yeah, you're the first one that's going to be like, someone that this is what I want to talk about. I'm really excited to dive into it. So why don't we start with your definition? What does culture even mean? You know, that's, sometimes that's a fat word, isn't it? And uh, it you is. said earlier, it yeah. drives people and it drives orgs. Can you kind of start with what your kind of way you look at it as a sales leader? Definitely. So I think, you know, culture means it's this kind of really complex and abstract word and topic. And I think it means different things for different people. Um, one definition that really resonated with me that I saw from HBR is it's consistent, observable patterns of behavior, right? So that again, consistent, observable, observable. patterns of behavior. I like exactly. that. Right. So it, it, it's, you know, sure it can be the big, you know, the words plastered on your company wall, um, that those can be kind of the main drivers, but it's what are the small day-to-day -day things that we are consistently doing every day? Um, I like that. And so it's not, it's not um, a foosball table or a break room and stuff like that. It's consistent observable patterns of behavior, things you mm -hmm. do. So let's take that definition and let's, let's now say, why is that something that drives organizations? I, I think that might seem like an easy question, but I want you to give your color around it because you're so passionate around it. Then I want to talk into let's apply those things to what's happening today. Sure, sure. So I guess I'll, I'll kind of break this down into some examples of what that means. Kind of at Love it. Day. Um, so one of our main values is around um, uh, collaboration, recognition, and positivity. Okay. So the way that that shows up for us is, again, small thing, but in our Monday sales meetings, we always leave the last five minutes for what we call shout outs. Okay. So this is, you know, every week, okay, an AE's like shouting out an SDR, hey, um, you know, thank you for setting up that great opportunity, meeting went really well, we're on to next steps, right? Or it could be, hey, um, wanna shout out so-and-so uh, because they, let, they helped me um, with this new prospecting strategy, right? So again, it's, it's not just this big, 
this big thing that's done once, right? It's done consistently week over week, and it becomes a part of, of, our, daily, of our daily life at RingDNA. Um, another example, right, is, is constant learning and development. Um, and so the way that this shows up for us is, you know, we've got, we've got trainings twice a week, um, as well as call coaching sessions where we're using our own product to kind of get together, um, look at the data um, uh, within Ring DNA and help coach each other using our technology. So again, these things are done consistently week over week. Um, so it starts with, you know, what do you value? Um, why do you value that? And then how can you integrate this into like the daily life of, uh, of your team? Those are great uh, examples. And before we dive into it, now I understand one of the things that I'll tell, and you're going to have a lot of people connect with you on LinkedIn, I'm sure, when this is done. Uh, one of the things I've noticed about you is you share a quote from Lou Gerstner at IBM, where he says, I came to see in my time at IBM that culture is not just one aspect of the game. It is the game, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Now I'm starting to see why that's something that you lead with. It is the game. Yeah, why, why don't we start with that now? You've given me your definition. You've given me some examples. Why do you feel so strongly that it is the game? That. Yes, I, I love this quote. Um, and, you know, I think when you look at how the nature of work has evolved, and I think especially now what millennials and Gen Z are driven by, um, I mean, you, can, you can Google this, there's lots of data out there and research out there that supports the fact that like, you know, millennials, this new generation is, is motivated by feeling fulfilled at work, by feeling valued at work, um, and I think what's interesting about the way that the coronavirus and everything that's going on in the political landscape right now has impacted um, this, this new generation is um, just, I saw a statistic, just 6% of Gen Z trust people in positions of power, right? Say that again. 6% wow. of Gen Z trust people in a position of power. So there's this huge lack of trust um, right. When we think about what happened in the last election, what's real, what's not real. Right. So the way that this shows up in organizations is like, if, you know, so that's one of my main, one of my main drivers, the number one most important thing when building culture is building an environment of trust and psychological safety. Right. Ooh. You don't, if you don't have that, you don't have anything. Um, um, and so that's why it is the game because okay. Yeah. So you can have, you can have the best strategy in the world, right? People can't get behind you if they don't trust you. That's it. Laura, you just dropped some stuff. I'm burning up. Like I'm burning up pages of notes <laughs> right now. Okay. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm starting page three right now. Um, you, I love what you said, trust and psychological safety. Okay. So I want to take that. So let's take you. You're having great growth at reading DNA. Uh, things are cooking along. You guys are growing them. Boom. All of a sudden blink of an eye. Like you already said, you know, we got Corona, we got COVID that hits, right? Boom. We have all a bunch of racial and political uncertainties going on. We have all of these things that are happening that are real, right? I mean, it's not like they're not happening and, and you can just pretend they're not there. They're real. Yep. And so all these things are happening and then boom, all of a sudden your customers are all at home. They're not at their office anymore. Okay. So the way we reach them maybe starts to change a little bit. And at the same time, boom, all of your reps, they're from home and they're they got to do homeschooling with their kids now. And they yeah. got all these other things that are trying. I could, I could go for like on a I could get my soapbox for 15 minutes and all the things that have changed. All the things, things change. I'm not going to say, does it impact culture? Because that's a stupid question. 
I want to talk about what do you do about that if you want to either protect or evolve? And I want to get into that. Should we be protecting culture or should we be looking to evolve culture? My question is with all of this stuff, what do you do if you want to continue to have a world of trust and psychological safety, right? Because that seems like the framework that you're working from. And I yep. love that. Yep. What do you do? So I think the, the first thing is, um, and this can be done at any time with any team, is kind of get everybody together in a room. Guys, what, and we, we've talked about culture, we've talked, we've we rolled out the values in our you know, nice fancy presentation. What does our culture feel like to you right now? Mm. Honestly. And, and this needs to be delivered with really, really uh, authentically. What does it feel like right now? And what do you want it to feel like? And it, it comes from your, it comes from your people. It comes from your employees. And so I think that's the kind of the first tactical exercise in this. Can I ask a question about that? Yep. Um, I, I love this. That's a, that's a really heavy question, right? Um, you, in order to have that question, do you already have to have an environment of psychological safety and trust to order to ask that question? Or is that a question that you can just ask and expect people to be real with you? Because I would imagine that it's pretty easy to get a political answer to that question. Mm -hmm. no? Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I think, um, but however, with that being said, I think a leader coming forward to the group, and again, I think it has to be with the right group, right? If it's a, yeah. if a group of 30 people, right? I think that's, that's going to look a little bit differently than a group of five people, right? Six yeah, people. yeah, yeah. And I think you also do this exercise on a one-on-one -on -one basis, right? This isn't just like mm. a one-time thing. Um, but the, mm. the point is, is that you talk about it, you, you're intentional about it. And I think what's happened is, and like, just tr truthfully, like I've, I've had some really dark weeks, right? Like so, like other folks on our leadership team has, right? So many people have. And so the last thing on most sales leaders' minds is culture right now. It's like, how, shit, are we going to be laying people off, right? Are, do we yeah. need to reduce quotas? Like what that, are, do we need to, we need to pivot? All these other things. But the way that that shows up, if, if culture is forgotten about, what, what happens when we're not intentional about it is people stress out, then they burn out, and then they opt out. I like that. They stress out, then they burn out, and then they opt out. Yep. Really insightful. Um, so, 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 yeah. So, I think, I think do, you know, doing this exercise um, is kind of a good way to get started with with building trust on your team. But then, the, but then of course, and this, again, this, this might sound really intuitive to people, but like, no, you need to know what the heck is going on with your team from a personal standpoint, right? My favorite thing that you say about it isn't something that you just, you do and you hope that it kicks in because you have a mission statement on the wall and then you do some stuff and you're kind of hopeful. What I like is it isn't a one-time conversation. That's one of the things you made clear to me. It's something you talk about regularly. Yep. I dig that. I dig that. I think that's something that people should be adding to their one-on-ones. You know, I, I'm, that's what I talk with companies all the time about is your one-on-ones and adding that question to it. What does it feel like? And what do you want it to feel like? 
that those are two good things that people could start doing in their one-on-ones this week, right? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, right? I mean, I think there might be some sales leaders that are kind of fearful of like, oh shit, what am I going to have to respond to it? The other question to add to this is how can you help? Where can you help? Right? So it's not just on the leader to create this culture. It's also communicating that, you know, when, when people are complaining, um, raising their hand, you are a part of this, you drive this culture as well. Right. So like, and, and I think counting on the natural leaders in the organization to, to step up. So let's talk about your experience as you've been looking at this. Are there any kind of general things that, I mean, you've been in a lot of industries, you're doing SaaS and SaaS is a delivery model. It doesn't just mean, I mean, you, you, you've had several SaaS companies you already mentioned that you're with that you target different kind of customers. Um, yep. It doesn't matter if you're in your manufacturing days to now, as you've been passionate about culture and your story has had you realize early on the importance have you found like any like two or three things that are almost non-negotiables for anybody that wants to be growth? You, you mentioned collaboration early on. Is mm-hmm. that something that, that is generally associated with, with a high growth culture? I think so. There was a, there was another statistic. I mentioned growth and development. Yep. 80, 80% of millennials, the number one most important thing that they're looking for in a company above money, above compensation is, is growth and development. So that's number one is growth and development. Growth and development. Yep. Well, I think from from the perspective of a rep, yes. From my perspective, it's trust and psychological safety, right? Um, All right. So that's good. Because that's what I'm, I'm sitting here going, okay, so I'm thinking about our sales leaders. We've got these sales leaders all around the world listening to us right now. And right now, what I hope they're doing is they, whatever they're doing, I used to say as they're driving to their office or they're on the treadmill or whatever, right? Now I don't know what you're doing, man. But as you're listening to Laura talk right now, I, I want to I be thinking, so what is my culture? So what, what would your rep say? What does it feel like now? What would your rep say? What do they want it to feel like? I hope you know the answers to those things. And the first step is have that, those conversations. And three, what do I do to help? But that's why I'm, I'm really interested in your take on, as you've just watched and you've been passionate about it, and you're, you're emerging as someone that really has a lot to say about this. You've said, you've said trust, you, you said psychological safety. I'm just interested in, in like giving people something like, okay, do they feel collaborative? How do I build collaboration? Any, any last things? Uh, like I got but a celebration. That's gotta be something that's pretty common, right? Yeah. Um, so collaboration, celebration, is there, is there, are those pretty much the ones that you see across the border? Is there any other thing that say, Hey, think about this sales leader as well. If you want to be building a high growth culture. I think for me, another big value is team first mentality. Ooh, I like that. Um, I think it's absolutely critical in today's environment where, um, you know, in addition to kind of technology helping us with performance, I'm counting on, the team to help each other, right? Because with everybody being remote and things happening and evolving more quickly than ever, um, I it's something that I consistently talk about so that when things, when things do get, and I think it's okay to tell the team, hey, we're in a high stress environment, so things are going to feel stressful, that's okay, right? Everybody's feeling it, um, where can you step up? right? I know this isn't in your job description. This isn't what you were hired for. Where can you step up? What other additional trainings can you provide the team? Um, right. Love so it. kind of, kind of an example of that is when we went remote, 
I created these little pods, right? These, and, and it was a good chance for different people that were interested in, in leadership or stepping up to, um, to step up. But it was also really helpful to me. It was extra work on them, obviously. Um, that's just, just one example, but I think team first mentality, team selling, like that's, I love that's that. yeah. So you have to give me four. So I'm going to requote the, I've, I've taken your conversation and turn it into a, a four item punch list. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is what Laura says. Um, and I, I love every one of these. I agree wholeheartedly. Collaboration needs to be part of your culture. Uh, an emphasis on individual development. That's part of our culture is we're going to help you get better. Uh, an, an emphasis on team selling and team first mentality. And the one that, uh, that I really also connect with is that, that, that element of trust. Mm-hmm. Those are four things. If you get those, man, you got to be off to the races. And, and so going back to what you said, what are the consistent observable patterns that you do with your reps to help create collaboration, to help fuel development, to help that team first mentality and ultimately help them feel trust and psychologically safe. Am I, am I getting that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one other one that I, I is, is important to me um, and just kind of a part of who I am. And I think that's where being super self-aware of, of kind of your leadership style and how you can bring your authentic self is important. Like I'm a goofball. And I, and for me, I think like fun is, I would also add fun on there. Like I take awesome. my job seriously, but not myself too, seriously. And I think people, right. And Richard Branson, he's kind of, you know, I, I love um, his leadership style. I really look up to him. Um, you know, he talks about in, in one of uh, his books, right. You, as a leader, you have to be the first one to jump in the pool and get silly. Right. Um, and, and be vulnerable. So I think, I think by being fun and silly, that's another way um, to not only get people to, to trust you. Um, but it makes it an environment that people want to work in. So, so good. So good, Laura, people want to win, but they also want to enjoy what they do. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this has been good. We're, I can't believe I'm, I'm looking at my clock because I always run into time trouble and we're, we're cruising right here. So I want to get back to this protection versus evolution. Uh, I had a couple of people tell me now is the time to evolve. And other people have told me now is the time to double down and protect what you have. Do you have any thoughts around protecting culture versus now is the time to rethink everything and evolve your culture? Is there any thoughts in your mind as you, cause you're stuck right in the middle of that with what you're doing at, at ring DNA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that um, it's a combination of both, right? Okay. So after you've identified as a lead, like, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're kind of wondering as a leader, do we protect or do we evolve? Ask your team, go through that exercise that I, I just, love it. Yeah, that's how you good. figure it out. Right. Um, and I think there's, <clears> there's going to be certain things that you need to protect and certain things that you need to evolve. And I think, you know, um, Google, obviously, right. Right. The first organization that's really known for building, building an amazing culture, right. To recruit and retain top talent. Um, they, that's their superpower. And they're, you know, they started this, what, uh, 20 years ago, yep. they're the, they're constantly evolving their culture. Right. So, um, so yeah, it, whether it's kind of your, whether you're kind of first diving into this topic or you've been doing it for a couple of years, it's something, there's certain elements that you need to protect certain elements you need to evolve, but you need to ask your people. It can't be just this guessing game. Um, so building that trust safety, on a one-on-one basis, as well as in that team environment is how you do that. Yeah, that's a really good example you point to. Google is 
an iconic company. It's a 20 plus year old company. <clears throat> and if they are going to continue to intentionally evolve mm -hmm. uh, in order to be known for having this great culture, that is something a sales leader needs to do. So where, if you, you're a sales leader, not if you're, so you're a sales leader, you're a good one, you're having success. Um, where do you prioritize that? You got all these things you're, you're doing. So if I'm going to evolve and protect, how do you prioritize that? Where does that show up? Because sales leaders are asked to do a ton of things, right? How do you prioritize that? How do you make sure you're doing that? Yep. So, I mean, I would say probably once every three or four weeks, I will, I will stop and think about, okay, what does it look like? What does it feel like? The other, the other simple exercise that you can do, and it's hard to do, is like call people one-on-one -on -one, say, hey, I'm just calling to check in. That's it. Like no other want, want to see how this is going, that is going, hey, I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. Right. I, for me to call 12 people to just check in right on top of all the meetings and all the other things we've all got going on, like that's, it's exhausting. Right. Mm -hmm. But doing that frequently once a week, every other week gives you a sense of what you need to protect or evolve, right? Oh, I'm really stressed out about this, or oh, I had this shitty call and, you know, I wasn't sure how to overcome this objection. Okay, we need to do some more training on this, right? Or, oh, everyone's stressed, let's do a happy hour, right? Or, so by just making, being intentional about your individual check-ins um, is a great way um, to figure out the action items that stem from how the team is feeling, their behavior, and their overall attitude towards the organization. So the reason I like this is it sounds like you're time blocking. So again, that's an important skill for reps to have to get all their sales jobs done. And now what you're telling me is it's an important part of what a leader needs to do. We're asked to do all these things. And so you prioritize and you do the things that like there's things that you have to do. There's things that you can wait to do. And there's things that you delegate to others and the things you say, why the hell am I doing it? Yep. This connection with your people is something that only you can do. So you'd better be scheduling it. So it's a priority that doesn't slip. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. And, um, and if you start to notice behavior changes with some of your high energy, some of your culture carriers in the organization, that is a priority over anything else in your day. Right. Um, and, and the feedback that I've gotten, um, why wow, I just think like with the sales leader, just calling to check in with no other reason, no ask, it really goes a long way to showing people that you care. They open up about what's going on, whether it be personally or frustrations that they're experiencing in the organization that you can help remove those roadblocks. Um, so yeah, being intentional about the time blocking, that's spot on. All right. So what happens? I now I want to flip it around. So we just talked about why you should and how to do it. What happens when a leader doesn't do that? What happens if they aren't intentional about either augmenting or evolving the culture or protecting it? What happens when they don't? Again, that's, I'll go back to, especially today, people, people, everyone is stressed. Like, I don't think there's one person that you will talk to in today's environment that doesn't have some level of, of stress. Um, so again, if we're, if you're not intentional about managing it and that's okay, right? We're all experiencing it. We're working through it. Um, and there's a certain level of stress that's good, right? That kind of pushes us forward. 
keeps us on our toes. Um, but if you're not managing it effectively, um, again, people will, you'll lose a pulse of what's, what's happening, what people are talking about. Um, you'll lose, if you do have any, any toxic employees, right? I think it's even more difficult to suss that out when, when folks are remote. Can I ask you a question on that, Laura? I'm sorry I'm interrupting you, but yeah. I, I love what you just said. You just used one of my favorite words, toxic. I, I use that word uh, in, in my leadership approach. And mm-hmm. I found that a lot of people hate that word because they find it offensive. And I, that, that, to me, that just tells me a little bit about that leader. What's mm-hmm. your definition of a toxic employee? Because I love to use that word. I, 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 I use that word. I like that word. I'm super interested in your definition. What makes for a toxic employee? Yep. Um, so I think there's kind of, two different, two different people or three different types of people in life. There's the, I make life happen, right? Growth mindset type of folks. There's um, folks that are kind of just net neutral. And then there's the life happens to me type of people. That is the toxic employee, right? My leads suck. My boss sucks. My territory sucks. (laughs) This is going on at home. Everything like just that negative energy and not taking ownership for anything excuses for everything, right? And so the way that that, the, when, when you've got somebody else in the neutral or that I'm trying to make life happen here, despite all this crap going on, when you've got that employee having a one-on-one or a side conversation with you know, your, your high potential employee who's already stressed and trying to work through it, that seeps through. Right. And, and that, um, that infects them with that toxicity. Right. So like, Oh shit. Yeah. Maybe I'm not performing because my leads do suck or like, right. They start to look for those excuses too. So that's how that spreads. Um, um, does culture help beat back excuses? Does, does that, does culture help fight off excuse making? Definitely. Definitely. As, as I'm listening to you, I'm loving it. I, I, I'm sure you can tell, like, I'm, I'm just fascinated with your insights on this. And you talked about toxicity and excuse making. And now we've talked about how culture, culture's like this, like we're in this world of a virus right now. It's, it's almost like having like the, uh, not the antidote. It's, it's, it's the, uh, when you get the booster shot that makes it so you won't get it in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so Culture is, is like having this, um, I, I'm stupid, I just lost the word, but you know what I'm talking about, an immune, immunity shot. Yep. Uh, it makes you immune to a lot of the things that can tear down an organization. And, and yeah. that's why I find this is so interesting. But let me ask you this. So as someone who like really is passionate about this, have you found, you've already told me what you think the non-negotiables and the top five things are, and I love your five things. I'm, I'm gonna make those into my, so, my show notes for sure. Well, have you ever seen... Like, so I'm a coach, I'm a sales coach. We do sales coaching. 83% of the time, sales leaders think they're doing killer coaching and 87% mm. of the time, reps say, I'm getting shitty coaching. It's, I'm not getting anything. Do you see times that leaders say, oh man, I'm building this killer, co- this killer, killer culture, but, uh, but really it's like, no, this is a toxic culture. Is there, yeah. is there any kind of like, if you're doing this, stop doing it right now. Is there anything like that you've seen? Um. Yes. Okay. And I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say a particular thing, but it's, it's an, it, no culture is perfect, right? No matter how hard I focus on it and I'm Fair. passionate about it, right? Nothing is perfect. And there's constantly things that I'm working on as a leader. And I think that, I think that again, as kind of part of the building trust, like 
showing vulnerability, speaking to the things that you're working on and focusing on as a leader. So like, for example, I asked my team to step up in a number of ways. And I said, here are all the ways, the five things that I'm going to do to step up. I'm going to hit the phones with you guys, but I'm going to ask you to double your call metrics, right? I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, so leaders who are not transparent about the ways that they're going to speak up, um, step up, or think that they have a perfect culture, that alone right there is a sign of there's Good. something wrong here. So right. you think you're there, you're probably in trouble. Right. That is so insightful, Laura. All right. So we've, we've hammered culture. I want to shift in a little bit of time before I hit my, my rapid fire. I, I really love your energy. I love your approach. I can see why you're having great success with the people that you lead. What's your favorite part of being a sales leader? I, you know, I think. And I know we're is, going off script. This is what I told you we we're going to talk about, but I really yeah. dig your approach. So what, what is it that makes you like being a sales leader? So, you know, I think this is one of your rapid fire questions as well, which is like one of the biggest challenges of being yeah. a sales leader. So okay. it's kind of the same answer, which is like, I, I feel like one of the big responsibilities of being a sales leader is, is to inspire others. Right. Love it. I think so. So that's my favorite part, especially now when, you know, uh, when, when certain, and certain folks over the course of these last few months have come to me, like, LG, I just, I, it, it, I can't find the motivation, right? People that have been proven top performers who were just can't find that light, that drive working to figure out how I can help them through that. That's my favorite part of being a sales leader. And now I'm understanding you better because you can't inspire someone if you don't have a culture that allows them to feel inspired, right? Exactly. Because exactly. talk is cheap. True or false? Talk is cheap. Yep. I yep. Mean, yeah, that's true. All right, that's good. Well, let's get into the let's get into the rapid fire stuff and talk a little bit. I, I I'm really grateful you joined us. I I'm sure that our listeners are enjoying you as much as I am, and I, I've burned up a notepad, and I'm going to be better off because of our conversation. So thank you very much. Awesome. So you, you mentioned you mentioned what I was going to talk about. I mean, let's let's get into that maybe just a, a little bit more. What do you think the biggest sales leadership challenge today is, and how do you beat it? And if it's what you already said, let's talk about it. Yeah, it's it's what I think it's 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 keeping employees inspired and engaged, right? I mean, um, the the pre COVID statistic around employee engagement is that seventy percent of employees are not engaged, right? That's pre COVID. Right. Right? And now everybody's stressed out, worried about their job, worried about hitting quota, um, uh, and just trying to get through the motions, wondering when this is all going to be over. And so I think keeping employees, um, instilling a sense of calm, focus, and inspiration, like that's, that's hard, right? Something that, that I'm still figuring out and we're all trying to figure out. So I agree with that. I've said many times in a lot of stages that, you know, sales leaders, we're in the inspiration business. That's the business that we're in is we are yeah. in the inspiration business, but we can't just be a cheerleader with pom-pom saying, go team, go. We can't be that. So, I mean, it's, you're right. It has gotten harder. Um, and for a lot of reasons, our customers have changed our sales methodology, not method, our sales modality, the way we engage people has had to change. You know, old dogs are being forced to learn new tricks for, you know, that that's mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Any insights on, on, Nobody knows it all. Nobody knows the answers. What are you seeing helping you keep people authentically inspired? Because one of the things that I see is a big mistake, Laura, and I'll be interested if you want to address this. 
Some leaders look to the motive. I believe there's only four levers you can pull that drives performance. One of them is motivation, but mm-hmm. some people try to pull motivation in a fake way. They have a competition or they have a contest. And they say, if I change this behavior for a minute for the time of this competition, it's going to give us lift. And it might give you a temporary lift, but what it doesn't do is create a new normal because it didn't change their beliefs. It didn't change their focus. It just changed their behavior for a minute, right? Yep. And yep. that's not inspirational. That's just like, oh, we got another competition, right? Yep. Any thoughts on what helps a, a, a leader be effective in the inspiration business? Yes, definitely. So I think there's, there's two things. Number one, kind of getting in the trenches with your team. So no, whatever, whatever that looks like, like now is the time to do that. Um, and, you know, your team will respect you. They will, um, you know, value uh, when you're making changes from what you've learned. Um, again, it just brings, fosters that environment of trust, safety, and respect. So um, I'll push them, push them pause again on you. Sorry, I do it all the time. I'm, I'm notorious for this, but I'm sorry. When you say something meaningful, I got to say, hold on, let's, let's, let's dig a little bit more here. So in the past, that might have been like hijacking in on a call, or it might have been if you're a field salesperson getting on the road with them. Mm-hmm. Today, is that like joining the Zoom call? Is it breaking down the recorded call? What does that mean when you say getting in the trenches? What does the modern getting in the trenches mean to you? To me, I think it's, um, so we did a sprint and I was like, I'm going to hop in and do the sprint with you guys, right? Nice. It, could, it could mean sitting in on a deal, um, the full site, not just hopping in on one Zoom call here and there, showing face. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to go through this entire deal with you, right? Um, By the way, Laura, I love that. That's one of my best practices too. I, I, t- I advise leaders to like pick on a quarterly basis or whatever the regular is, it depends differently have a must win or something like that, that you're actually working on with them. You're not observing, you're actually helping with it. Yes. It's a great best practice. Exactly. It's not, it's not just popping into the zoo, you know, the negotiation call, right. It's, it's sticking through um, for the full, for the entirety of the deal. Um, so that's another example. I think um, the other thing <coughs> around how to inspire folks is um Again, because people want to feel like they're adding value to the organization, um, it's empowering them based on their strengths to kind of be the subject matter experts. And so what, what that means you know, for us is you know, we've got, we've got a, a great SDR who's excellent on LinkedIn, right? So she's kind of our LinkedIn um, subject matter expert, right? So she puts together all these trainings for us, for the entire sales team. Um, and that empowers her, right? It, it inspires her when I'm kind of sitting here saying, hey, you're really great at this. We'd love you to teach the rest of the team how to do this, right? So we've done that with a number of different folks, but tapping into like, what are, what, what does your team really enjoy that, that intersection between what are they good at and what do they enjoy? Um, and then again, that's, it's really fulfilling for them. And then it, of course, it's sharing best practices across the team. That's such a good answer. I'm so glad that, that, that's what you thought the biggest sales leadership challenges. And I think today you're right. I think it's keeping people like a well-lit pathway to success. I think that's what it's about right now. I, 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 what a great answer. Thank you. Let's go to the next one. This is like the listener favorite. This is the one that we, we get the most feedback on. When you are interviewing new team members and you're hiring new people, is there like a go-to either question or concept that's like the most important one for you? And, and when you leverage that or ask that, what is it specifically that you're looking for? Yes. So I always love to ask, you know, simple question, but what types of things do you do to focus on personal and professional development? 
but the key is diving in, right? It's easy for people to kind of like just reference the name of a book, right? what did you learn? How did that, how does that apply to kind of your day to day? Diving deeper. How did you apply it? I love that. How did you apply it? Mm-hmm. That's good. So, so I, I imagine you see people that are committed to that culture of um, individual development that way. And I can see why that's so important. If that's one of the core cultures that you found leads to high growth. I love that. So you're interviewing for something that will match your culture. Exactly. Super good. Okay. Last one. We are, we're done. Uh, this, this went fast, Laura. Uh, we found that leaders are readers and uh, the great leaders are exactly what you said. They never say they're done, but I don't care if it's a page you're turning. I don't care if it's an audible you're listening to. And I also don't care if it's a more bite size. We're in a bite size learning environment could be blogs. It could be podcasts. Is there anything that you would recommend our listeners uh, start trying to get their hands on or their ears on or process if they want to advance their leadership career? Yes. So uh, I would say any of Brene Brown's work, but specifically her book, Daring Greatly. Um, She also has a fantastic Netflix special if anyone's interested in watching it, but it's really all about. um, What's the special? Tell, say what it is because people might want to watch it. Oof, I'm blanking the name of it, but if you just if you just search Brene Brown, like okay. she should be the only one that will come up. But ultimately, it's about leading through vulnerability. It's so she's a psychologist that's really the first one to pioneer this concept of like people don't talk about emotions like shame, guilt, and vulnerability, and getting comfortable with those emotions and how you can become a really effective leader um, um, through vulnerability. So really fascinating, um, you know, scientific research that she talks about and she's just, she's hilarious too. So it's great. All right. I like you. This was fun. You were fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. I am way better off as a result of you joining us for our, our listeners who feel the same way. How do they get more of you? How do they pick up what you're putting down? How do they connect with you? If they want to continue the conversation or if they want to learn about ring DNA, how, how do all those things happen? Yeah, just reach out to me on LinkedIn and would love to connect with anyone and everyone, um, share best practices and yeah, looking forward to connecting. All right. She is firmly in the inspiration business. Uh, she is, she's helping organizations build cultures that are based on psychological safety and trust. She's done it in a lot of places. They're having tremendous growth under her leadership. I am so grateful to have her join our show. Laura. Thank you so much for joining us. And as I say to everyone, happy selling. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I want to thank those of you that have joined my Patreon community, Sales Leadership United. It's amazing to see this community grow so quickly. I get tons of requests from sales leaders and salespeople around the world looking to go deeper. And places like LinkedIn are awesome, but they're cluttered, they're noisy, and they're really limited in how you can create impact. So I created Sales Leadership United to provide a community of sales leaders committed to becoming legendary, iconic leaders of those that they lead. If you haven't checked out Sales Leadership United yet, if you haven't given it a look, or, or even having a gander at what's there. And if you've ever, ever enjoyed this podcast or any of my other content, please do me one solid and check out Sales Leadership United today. It's growing quickly, and I'm confident committing to you that this is a tool that will help you make the second half of 2021 you'll be proud of. I have much of the best content I've ever created organized in a way you can simply search by topic to gain access to what I've seen work around the world. 
In addition, I have exclusive content available only to members of Sales Leadership United. Modern insights, frameworks, live trainings, coaching structure, and even made-for-you sales meeting tools that are all there for you to use right now. If you've ever liked anything I've shared on the podcast, if you liked this show right now with Laura, go to Sales Leadership United at patreon.com forward slash Sales Leadership United today. Now, I am so, so appreciative to Laura for joining us. She's doing amazing things in the sales leadership world, and I think we're going to hear a lot of great things coming from her as she keeps doing great work helping sales teams take what the market gives and then some. Laura has a strong belief that culture drives every company, no matter what the organization builds and sells, and I think she's right. Her definition of culture is an important place to start. Culture is built on the small things you're doing every single day, not big things you do once and then ride out. Culture is a great leader's best friend. And so here's the definition she used. I wrote it down. I've thought about it a lot since she said it, and I think she's dead on. Culture is really a consistent, observable pattern of behavior. So I want you to think about this. What are the small day-to-day things that you do consistently every single day? Culture needs to be something that leaders intentionally work on. It's never something that, quote-unquote, just happens. Uh, it's never a natural byproduct. Culture that's great is absolutely intentionally created and maintained and, and, and grown. So I found that culture does a ton, does a ton of things for a company, and, and each one is a one or a zero. You know, either it's helping you or it's hurting you. Either you get it or you don't. Either you passed or you failed, right? And, and so I think it's important for you to list out the things that you want to be happening in your culture so you can then create those things and make sure you're getting ones on them instead of zeros. Now, the biggest thing for me is culture creates expectancy. It's a weird word. I'm, I'm famous for making words up, you know, like dollarize and a bunch of other ones that, that, uh, that I make up. Expectancy is one of those weird words that I like to use. You know, what do your team expect? Your team needs to have a great understanding of what to expect. Um, the world of sales is filled with unknowns. Just that's just the way it goes in sales. So your ability to create a safe haven or a place that gives them a good place to dock their boat in the middle of a storm, that's a big deal. And it's a bigger deal now than it's ever been. And so right now is a really important time for you to say, what is our culture? What do we stand for? And what do I need it to be? And and so Laura gave a killer framework for leaders as you build your culture. And, and, And it was really simple. It's one, what do you value? Two, Why do you value that? And three, how do you integrate this into your daily life of your team? So what do you value? Why do you value it? And how do you integrate it every day? Here's why this matters so much. Did you catch the stat she threw down? Just 6% of Gen Z people trust people in positions of power. Only 6%. That's nuts. That's such a big number. You cannot afford to overlook that. And, And so that's why expectancy is so important. Um, everyone's feeling the stress. Everyone has things they're worried about. So you need a culture that helps them find consistency in a time of nuttiness. And that's why I loved her suggestion to involve the team in your culture development activities. She suggested that we get them together. We ask them individually. We ask them in groups. Two questions. Number one, what does the culture feel like right now? And then number two, what do you want the culture to feel like? Now, if we get that right, then we've got a chance to win. If you get it wrong, 
I want you to remember clearly what Laura pointed out will happen because I think she's dead on. First, they will stress out. Then they will burn out. And finally, they will opt out. And so you better make sure you're building strong personal connections so you can have this conversation in a very, very authentic way. My advice is to build this into your one-on-one. Make it something that you have, a conversation that you have with regularity. And so even as you're listening to me talk about it, you, know, you ought to be asking yourself right now, what would my rep say? Every one of you will have different cultures. But I really liked Laura's five non-negotiables for high-growth uh, cultures. Okay, Number one, collaboration. Number two, growth and individual development. Number three, team-first mentality. Number four, trust. Number five, fun. Collaboration, growth and development, team first, trust, and psychological safety, I think was what she had with that, and then fun. So those are five good ones. You get those, you got this, man, okay? So the final thing she, she did was she offered a word of warning. Don't make the mistake of saying, I've got this unlocked. She, used, she warned us that, cult, that you know, there's zero cultures that are perfect. You're going to have to make changes. You're going to have to evolve. You're going to have to change. So make sure you've got an environment where your team believes and understands that change is part of the deal. And when you do it, it's because you've got their best interests in mind. Um, and so to wrap this one up, I think this is the perfect timing for the conversation. You're now in the second half of the year. And if there's ever a year that we needed to re-kick off and, re- and refocus and, and say, let's do over, this is the one. So take some time to reconnect with your team. What does the culture feel like? What do we want it to feel like? Make sure you're providing a culture that gives the motivated rep a chance to succeed. Remove barriers, right? Fuel optimism. Create an environment that's fun and provides development and growth. Most of all, help people feel part of something bigger than just themselves. Seriously, give them an environment where they feel safe and they believe they can trust those that they work with. Your greatest success is going to come when you've created an environment that fosters success. So work on your home court first. The results will follow. Your culture will attract talent faster than any recruiter could ever go find it for you. So that's it. Thank you, Laura. Appreciate you joining us. Laura's a rising star in the sales leadership world and the growth of Ring DNA is is evidence of the impact she's having. I appreciate her sharing her insights around culture. And I hope each of you feels new motivation to revisit your cultural building blocks. Laura, you're amazing, and I hope you continue to have great success follow you. And to each of our listeners, reach out to her, connect to her. She's a great follow. Finally, thanks to each of your listeners. I I appreciate your feedback. Keep it coming. Keep those five-star reviews coming. My offer still stands to hop on a Zoom with any of you to to discuss your approach to the one-on-one. I had five um, reach out to me last week. I, I hope to continue to have more reach out this week. Uh, those call, those conversations are good. I, I would love to roll up the sleeves and evaluate if we're getting the one-on-one impact that we can possibly get because it has been, it has become more important than it's ever been. So if you want to have that become more impactful, please reach out to me today. I offer it with no strings. That email address is rob at xvoyant.com. I look forward to hearing from you. So this week, here's to building a safe haven in the middle of the storms all around us. Because more than ever, your team needs to have at least the Laura 5 non-negotiables. Because when people feel safe, they're able to do their best work and ultimately live their best lives. I wish each of you success this week and this year. And I hope culture fuels an amazing journey for each of you and your teams. Once again, thanks for listening. And as always, don't worry, just execute 
because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.